Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jumping off an hour or two of the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate and Show. Herb has the day off. Filling in for Herb for the next two hours. The publisher of TigerDetails.com, Jimmy Smith. And Jimmy, we got our tailgate, some muffaladas, some chips with some dip. You can't double dip. Especially now during a pandemic. There's no double dipping, all right? No double dipping. We got Jimmy? It won't go on. Yeah, we got, we got him. We got him. No double dipping. No licking the fingers. Can't do that. Can't do that. None of that good stuff. Anyway. We've uh, got our six feet. Got our six feet. That's right. Jimmy Smith of uh, TigerDetails.com. Jimmy, before we get to LSU and Auburn, I want to just take a look around the college football scoreboard. And right now in Tuscaloosa, Ole Miss is getting spanked by Alabama. 28 to nothing at halftime. Rather surprising. I, I honestly thought that was going to be a, a fairly competitive game. I did think Alabama was going to be able to pull it out. Um, it's just more of a balanced team, but I did not expect to see that type of, of score at this stage in the game. Kind of just shows you Alabama's still here. Nothing's changed in Tuscaloosa. No. Uh, and look, Georgia absolutely demolished. Second-ranked Georgia demolished Arkansas, who's eighth-ranked in the country coming in. And that Georgia defense, man, that's a collision course for Alabama and one that I think matches up with Alabama really well. I kind of want to just skip the rest of the season and get to that game, honestly. I think I think when you see these two teams play, I mean, is there even much discussion at this point as to who might come out in each conference, each division in the SEC? I think it's clear cut that these are um, the two best teams in the conference, possibly the country. And it's going to be a great matchup. I mean, that – Georgia defense is outstanding. Uh, that middle linebacker, N'Kobe Dean, and the things he can do uh, in their blitz packages and how stout they are up front, um, that's going to be a really good ball game, and uh, you know we're, we're going to end up seeing it. I hope so. And look, I want LSU to be in the mix as well, but we'll get to that the, the matchup right now, Jimmy. And the reason why I'm not as optimistic that LSU's going to be in that mix is, A, they can't run the ball effectively, and they're a feast or famine big play offense, and that usually doesn't bode well against these tougher SEC teams like Georgia or like Alabama. It just it just doesn't. They find a way to take that away from you. Yeah, you've really got to – in this conference, you've got to be stout up front. Um, if you look at any of the LSU teams that were really successful in years past, they usually won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, if you're susceptible to being exposed uh, physically um, with depth on, on the offensive line or the defensive line, it's going to show up in SEC play. 
I just don't think this LSU team has that balance on offense because of their inability to really move the line of scrimmage with the offensive line. And uh, and it's and it showed up so far this year, but it's really going to show up when you get into the meat of this schedule against Florida, Alabama, Arkansas, Texas A&M. If you're Auburn, who are you rolling with at quarterback? Is it T.J. Finley or Bo Nix? Can you go back to Bo Nix after you brought T.J. Finley in and he rallied you for a victory over Georgia State? I think you could simply be be because TJ was solid in that game, but it wasn't like he was lights out, right? I mean, he played well. The team kind of responded to to him being on the field. If anything, I think that the way the team responded uh, would catch my eye and would be something I'd be concerned with moving forward. But it's not like TJ went out there and just lit it up for Auburn that day. He was solid, but um, I think at this stage, with you not naming the starter, my gut feeling is it's going to be TJ Finley. Um, and, and I think the way the team rallied behind them last week is probably uh, one of the bigger reasons that, that Brian Harson and his staff is going to make that call. Jimmy, w- when you look at T.J. Finley, a guy you know well, a young man you know well, being re- recruiting is, the, is, your, is your area of extreme expertise. Amid High School, uh, uh, Ponch- from Ponchatoula, I'm sorry, um, Ponchatoula High under Hank Tierney, and you, say, you told me last year, that TJ won't finish his career at LSU. This is before Miles Brennan even got hurt. Why was that the case? Why, 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 was it because you saw that his, the next job was going to be for Max Johnson, regardless of the injury to Ma- to uh, Miles Brennan? Yeah, I just kind of anticipated, um, you know, him having to sit for for multiple years. And with today's transfer portal and the amount of teams around the country scouring, looking for for starting quarterback potential, starting quarterbacks. I just didn't see him being a guy who's very competitive, who's never really sat the bench, being able to ride it out two or three years. Um, it did look like Max Johnson w- had the early edge with the coaches once they made that move midseason last year. Uh, it looked like that was going to be Max's job for the foreseeable future, um, if not Miles Brennan. And so I just didn't anticipate TJ waiting it out till his third, fourth year before stepping on the field as the starter at LSU. This is a big old kid now. I mean, he's big, well put together. He looks like he's leaned up a little bit. Looks yeah. like he's dropped some, you know, he had a little baby fat perhaps on him uh, his first year at LSU. But man, he looks a lot leaner. And as you know, um, he can absolutely flick it, he can throw it. Yeah, it doesn't take much for, for, for that ball to jump out of this guy's hand. I mean, just a little flick of the wrist. Um, you know, and if you're thinking of just physical ability, stature, arm strength, things like that, you know, think maybe Byron Leftwich, the old Jaguars yep. quarterback, yep. you know, 6'6", 240, rocket cannon arm, just a little flick of the wrist and that thing's flying downfield. Um, and he isn't extremely mobile. And so I would think this LSU defense with their ability to generate a pass rush both inside and on the edges, um, they're probably licking their chops a little bit. That was the, uh, the, the, the knock against him at his time at LSU and one of the things they were worried about in this RPO offense. So it'll be interest, interesting to see if LSU can move him off his platform and take advantage of, of some of that, uh, I don't want to say lack of mobility, but he's just not the most mobile of athletic of guys. He's got in-pocket athleticism, in the pocket. He can, he can climb the pocket, buy a little bit of time, move around, but he's not going to break out for a 40-yard Gain down down the field if you're playing man man coverage, and he wants to run the football. Jimmy Smith, publisher of TigerDetails.com. I'm Christian Garrick. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWLAMFM.com and the Odyssey app. Jimmy Smith of TigerDetails.com in for Herb Tyler. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. I'm Christian Garrick. We find Jeff Palermo, our WWL.com columnist, on the line with us right now. Jeff, how are you, man? 
I'm doing well, Christian. How's things with you? Good. Real good. We've got Jimmy uh, Smith as well from Tiger, TigerDetails.com filling in for Herb. And, Jeff, we were just talking. I'm curious your thoughts. Auburn, if you're Auburn, do you go back to Bo Nix or do you start T.J. Finley, who came on in relief of Bo Nix last weekend? I, I think you go you – know, it's, it's a tough it's a tough call. It's a really tough call. But um, I, I think if you go to – Bo Nix, and it doesn't work out at all. I, I don't know where you – I mean, obviously you go to TJ, but maybe you lose TJ for – or you, maybe you lose Bo for good at that point. Uh, you go with TJ um, and see how he does. You're obviously familiar surroundings. And uh, if TJ's not struggling – or if TJ's struggling, you go to Bo and maybe maybe you get a spark back there. Maybe Bo regains some confidence. Um you know, I, I found it kind of interesting that Ed Orgeron thought that he was, they were going to go with T.J. Finley. I mean, he never expounded on why he felt that. I guess uh, just maybe, uh, you know, he, from one coach seeing how another coach is uh, looking at things, and I think he looks at it with the fact that uh, Coach Harson doesn't really have any ties to Bo Nix, so it might be a little bit easier for him to make that change. So, um it's I, it's probably uh, probably wasn't an easy decision. I don't think, but uh, I guess like everyone else, very interested to see who will take the first snap for Auburn tonight. Hey Jeff, Jimmy Smith. Um, it's a very interesting matchup here. Uh, the strength of Auburn's obviously the running game, right? And the weakness you could say through the first four weeks for LSU on the defensive side has possibly been fitting the run. And conversely, LSU's offense dynamic passing game thus far. Um, and Auburn's really shown some some weakness on that back end in the secondary and coverage. So how do you kind of see that shaping up tonight? Um, you know, the the time of possession is going to be so big for LSU here to keep that Auburn running game off the field. LSU defense is, is kind of gassed late in games. How do you see these strengths and weaknesses and these contrasting styles kind of clashing tonight and, and possibly see developing and unfolding uh, for us at 8 o'clock? Well, I think LSU can play a little bit more of a, a run game here tonight or run defense type of game. I mean, they, they had to go to the 3-2-6 the last week just because of uh, the nature of what Mike Leach does offensively. But I, I think they feel pretty good about getting back to the fact to uh, being a you know four-down lineman, getting three linebackers on the field, whether it's Bug Strong, Mike Jones, or Micah Baskerville will probably be uh, much more uh, much more involved in this game. So uh, I, I think defensively, I, I think LSU could, you know, I, there's no doubt that um, Auburn's going to, they're going to get their, they're going to get their yards on the ground. I mean, they're, they're just that good running the football, but I, I don't think it's uh, a, a position where LSU is not, is going to really struggle to try to uh, slow them down. I think they got an opportunity to do that here tonight. Um, and, and I, I think the I don't know if LSU offensively can run the ball. I mean, I, I just don't see them having much success with that. Um, you know, they haven't done it so far through the first four games. I, I can't imagine it all of a sudden it's it's going to appear here tonight. But I like what you're seeing out of that passing game. I like Max Johnson. I like uh, the fact that you're starting to see more and more receivers get involved, and there's a lot of different weapons. So. And who knows, uh, maybe the return of Cam Wire certainly helps things out as well on that offensive line for the Tigers. Jeff, Jimmy and I were just talking before uh, the show, the stat that Auburn hasn't come into Baton Rouge in one since 1999. And it's just amazing to think about <laughs> with this rivalry that 
over that span, Auburn hasn't won in Tiger Stadium in, in that span. It's just it's it's amazing to think about. It is an amazing stat because the the games and a lot of the games, you know, even go back to the 2007 national championship season. That was a close game. It came down to basically the final few seconds. Uh, and during LSU's magical 2019 campaign, probably the team that played on the, the toughest was Auburn. You can you can make that argument. That, that at least uh, for Joe Burrow, offense statistically, that was not his. Uh, that was I think his worst statistical game of the season was against Auburn. And uh, the matchup has just been featured. You know, there's so many, you know, close games and. Um, you know, it kind of really this whole era of LSU football, you can say, really took off or started what, back in 2001 when LSU beat Auburn at home, uh, you know, and the first time that Auburn had returned to Tiger Stadium since beating them pretty bad in, in 1999. And that was a game that had been rescheduled to December because of 9-11, and it was a de facto SEC West championship game. The winner would go to Atlanta. And uh, LSU gets the victory, and then they go on and they beat Tennessee in the SEC championship game. And, you know, a couple of years later, the Tigers win a national championship. And then the, this great run that LSU fans have been experiencing here during this 21st century is it kind of dates back to potentially that game. So, uh, you know, eventually Auburn's going to come in the Tigers stadium and get a win. Is it tonight? I mean, it, it certainly can be. I mean, I think when you look at LSU's schedule, there's just a lot of coin flip games on the. On the schedule, I thought last week was one. I think this one is tonight as well. Jeff Palermo, WWL.com columnist. Jeff, 88 snaps the LSU defense was on the field last week. 88. And I agree with you. The offense is is coming along. You like what you see from the quarterback. You like what you see from some of the playmakers starting to emerge that are not named uh, Boutte. Um, But – you're defending 88 snaps. That might work again against Auburn. I don't think you'll face that many because they like to run the football. But my point is, down the stretch here against teams like Florida, Alabama, Ole Miss, man, if, you, if you're on the field for 88 snaps, that's not a recipe for success. That offense has to start putting together 10, 12, 13 play drives, and I think we're asking them to do something they're not capable of. You know, I, I think that it was the same – situation a year ago as well uh this has just been a team that's certainly gotten much more um big play potential you know i I mean you look at the touchdowns that they had against mississippi state uh you know you have trey trey palmer who was wide open in the secondary colt taylor catches a touchdown pass two mississippi state defenders collide and uh he runs 46 yards or whatever for a touchdown I guess it was the second play from scrimmage in the second half, that little slant play to Kayshawn Butte, and he goes, you know, 60 yards for a touchdown. They just hit on a lot of big plays in that contest uh, a week ago. Um, but, yeah, do they need to have a little bit more of a running game? You know, the other thing is, is that LSU has uh, shown that they're much more successful offensively, uh, up-tempo offense. So, um, therefore, I don't think they're really looking to take their time when they do have the football. So, you know, Ed Orgeron talked about it this week. they got to start rotating players in and out defensively. But, yeah, 88 plays is, ex- is extreme. But, again, you're going up against Mississippi State. I don't know if it'll, it'll ever get that high again the rest of the season. But that being said, I don't see LSU winning many time of possession battles this year. Uh, so that's going to be just something that I think they're going to have to live with because, 
they're a, a big play offense. They got a quarterback that uh, can, can can make a lot of. They got some receivers that can make some plays. Quarterback a quarterback that can get the ball down the field. Um, and they're they love the up tempo offense. That's where they're most successful. So if that's the case, their drives are not going to last long. And uh, a residual effect of that is the fact that uh, their defense might have to be on the field a lot longer than other defenses. Yeah, that's not. I don't think that's a recipe for long-term success. I just don't, Jeff. Um, it's just when you play Alabama, A and M, and others, they're going to use that to their advantage in every possible way. Jeff Palermo, WWL.com columnist, and Jeff, how about Auburn averaging seven yards per per carry in a rushing game, in a running game, and that's that, that tells me they're not facing a lot of third and longs and second and longs. No, they're, this is a really good. <laughs> team running a football and LSU is going to have its hands full. And then when you look at it, conversely for the Tigers, uh, they're, you know, they're averaging less than three yards of carry, which is just absolutely amazing at LSU that an LSU team can't run the ball for more than three yards a game. Um, maybe that can improve a little bit tonight. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think they are going to try to uh, run the ball when they can. I think they would like to try to establish the run game. I think they would like to try to, uh, not have their defense on the field as long as possible. Um, but, uh, you know, let's see, you know, Auburn, you know, you look at that seven yard per carry, you also got to look at who they played early on in the season. You know, Alabama, A&M, Akron, um, you know, even Georgia State, um, you know, the, the one team State. that they played, that's good. Yeah, Penn that's State, good. but, but I mean, uh, Akron and Alabama, A&M, uh, that's a chance to really, I'm not taking away anything from their run game, but that, that, those are kind of games where you really should compare your stats. And Auburn, I think, certainly took advantage of those two opponents. You know, they scored a, a ton of points in both of those games. So um, LSU is going to have to uh, buckle up the chin strap. But I, I think there's guys on that defense. I think there's. I think Ed Orgeron. I think these are the kind of uh, teams that he likes to face a little bit more. If you could say a little bit more of an old school type of team that's going to come right at you. And uh, LSU's again. I go back to LSU's got the guys on the defensive line, and they got the guys at line, at linebacker that can that can slow down a powerful running attack. WWL.com columnist Jeff Palermo. Jeff, thanks for stopping by, man. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Take All right, you Jeff. guys have a good one. All thanks, right. thanks, Jeff. Uh, Jimmy, <laughs> we talked about sustained drives for LSU offensively. They've had 21 scoring drives. Eight of them have been five plays or less. Five plays or less. We you saw, lose the you, you you lose the turnover. I mean the uh, time of possession battle last week, but you still win the game. But that's that's not going to be the case very often. That's rare that you do that. Yeah, and I think this was one of the issues going back to week one. Chip Kelly, right? One of the issues Chip Kelly always had in those big games was that up tempo offense. And could that defense survive throughout the game being on the field, the extra snaps um, asked of them when you are playing that style of play? Um, I don't think this this unit can. I mean, they came into the season hoping they had the depth on the defensive line to really go too deep, keep a fresh group in there all times. That would allow them to, to cross over into that tempo sometimes. I mean, they've been nicked, a little nicked up now on that defensive front. They haven't been the healthiest team overall. Um, you know, I do think it's a recipe uh, for, for failure. I really do. Long term, when you're playing Ole Miss, when you're playing Alabama, and these teams that can really light up the scoreboard, if you're going to be out there on defense for 35, 40 minutes out of the game, giving up 80-plus plays, I mean, uh, you would need that 2019 type of offense to stay in those games. And I do think this offense is good, but it's not 2019 good.
make no mistake about it, Max Johnson is playing winning football at quarterback. 15 touchdowns, three interceptions. The offensive line is where those problems exist for when Max gets in trouble or when the offense sputters. You know, they've had some drops as well. But if you just break it down by Max Johnson's numbers, you look at his numbers and you say, they, that's winning football. It should be should be winning football. Aside from that boneheaded UCLA play where he threw it backwards, he, I haven't seen him have a spaz moment. You know what I mean? Like, he... He's composed, and I think he can he can certainly uh, win win games. He's proven that. Uh, I just I just wonder if they're going to live and die by the big play. Yeah, and it kind of I don't think this is the type of team that could sustain long drives, like you were discussing with Jeff. I don't think they have the running game. I don't think they have the dynamic runners. They can't get the push up front, and you don't seem to have that dynamic runner in the backfield that can kind of create on his own. Um, what we a lot of people failed to realize in that 2019 season was how good Clyde's Edwards Hilaire really was in creating on his own. If you go back to that Alabama game, that first drive, LSU's backed up in their territory. They hand the ball to Edwards Hilaire. He's got some two defenders in the backfield, and, and he turns it into a 20-yard play. I don't think they have these type of guys here. So to sustain a drive, you have to have a really good, efficient offensive passing game complemented with a running game I don't know how efficient they are in that short passing game I think this is more of a big play type offense right now and they certainly don't have the ability in the running game to control the line of scrimmage against these big SEC D lines so if you're Auburn don't you invite LSU to run run the football almost dare them to I think so and I think you know the the what we saw from that 326 uh, LSU's three-man front against uh, Mississippi State last week. It wouldn't surprise me to see something similar from Auburn this week against LSU. Invite them. Show me that you can run the ball against a, a weak defensive alignment and a weak front for for us to have to make those adjustments. If I'm if I'm Auburn, I'm coming in this game saying, hey, let's keep these dynamic receivers in front of us. Um, they haven't shown the ability to really take over in the running game. Um, let's play that similar type front, you know. And, and Kevin Steele did it back in 2019 when he was the D.C. at Auburn. That's how they played LSU. They had a three-man front. They had eight guys dropping. The first uh, the first level of defenders in, in, the, in the, that zone were eight to ten yards. They kept everything in front of them, and they tackled extremely well. And it wouldn't surprise me to see a similar game plan today. He's Jimmy Smith. I'm Christian Garrick, Jimmy Smith of TigerDetails.com, also at Jimmy Detail on Twitter. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL, AMFM.com, and the Odyssey app. We'll update you on a scoreboard around the SEC and around the country in college football in a minute. Jimmy Smith, publisher of TigerDetails.com. Recruiting is his jam. I mean, that, that, that's that's his absolute wheelhouse. So how did LSU get where they are today? In other words, thin along the offensive line, linebacker. How did that happen? Yeah, I think – if you go back the last 15, 20 years of the teams that have been really successful, whether it be the Urban Meyer run at, at Ohio State, uh, prior to that the USC run, the Florida run, LSU run, Auburn, Clemson, it's all centered around recruiting and recruiting really well year in and year out, and especially at the key positions, quarterback, offensive, defensive line. LSU for the last, I don't know, 12, 15 years or so seems to have a missing link in that chain whether it be their inability to sign a quarterback under less miles. You had, a, you had you know, some really good offensive linemen there um, and not a quarterback behind them. You had a lot of really good defensive linemen. And you fast forward past less miles, and 
entered James Craig on the offensive line coach, really struggled recruiting these players, really struggled connecting, um, establishing those necessary relationships, and then landing them on signing day. And we saw this unfolding quickly during Craig's tenure. And you were always told and you always hear, hey, it's improving. He's working his butt off. We're going to be great next year. We're signing these guys. We're signing those guys. And it never transpired. And so here you are today um, with with really a, a mosh posh unit of guys that were kind of just pushed together uh, late in recruiting cycles as they're trying to fill scholarships after striking out on, on big name guys. Um, you know, on signing day. And it's just a trend we saw on the offensive line the last few years. They're paying for it today. Um, I think the last two years recruiting linebacker after Aranda's departure and the Bo Pelini disaster, um, now you're starting to see that lack of depth and dynamic linebackers um, on the roster. So you're starting to see some of that play out. Um, and then early in, in Orgeron's tenure, you had the, the coaching carousel on the defensive line that really – you know, set them back in their ability to recruit on the defensive line. So for the last 15 years or so, those are the three most posi important position groups on the field. And very few times have you had all the units really coming together on a high level f through the recruiting trail, signing five stars at all three position groups. I mean, very few times on signing day do I sit there and think, man, LSU really crushed it with all these major position groups. There's always a hole. There's always a void. And that's a void Alabama hasn't experienced. That's something you don't see. I mean, I don't think I don't think Nick Saban's ever gone through a signing day and said, man, we didn't do well uh, recruiting the offensive line or the defensive line. We didn't get the quarterback we needed. I mean, that just doesn't happen at those elite schools. Unfortunately, in Baton Rouge, it's happened, and we've seen it play out, and that team just be that one player, that one position group short of being elite. Yeah, and another thing about Nick Saban and, and these elite programs – like a Clemson as well, that's been in the conversation. Georgia also has been in a national championship conversation and the college football playoffs, Ohio State is in that as well, is their ability to not only procure the talent, but develop the talent. That was the biggest thing that ran Les Miles out of town. It wasn't necessarily because of his recruiting. He was landing top five recruiting classes regularly. And aside from the quarterback position, he recruited well at just about every other position. But he didn't develop the talent. And I think that's starting to show with Coach O and his and his coaching staff is, yeah, can they recruit? Sure. Coach O is a heck of a recruiter. You've, you've told stories, Jimmy, of how well he is, how good he is at closing the deal. But if you're recruiting top five, can you develop those players? And there's not there hadn't been a lot of growth as I see it. Um along the offensive and defensive lines. No, I, I think that's fair. You know, I think for me with Les Miles, when you were seeing those guys depart LSU, arrive in the NFL, and a lot of them exceeded expectations or played better than they played at LSU, and it made you scratch your head a little bit. I always viewed it as they were underutilized under Les Miles. Maybe not underdeveloped, underutilized. Under this Ed Orgeron last five years or so, I do see some of that underdevelopment. I think – um, maybe the coaching carousel is playing a role in that. Um, you know, I mean, offensively and defensively, they've had so many different systems that these guys have had to learn. And it's really difficult to develop as a player when the scheme's constantly changing, right? If you're a defensive end and you're, and you're working, um, you know, uh, from, from the seven and, and working the edge and learning how to pass rush from the edge, and all of a sudden the scheme changes and you're playing the five and four technique, 
I mean, it's a totally different game, right? And you're relearning everything from scratch. When you look at Alabama and, and a lot of these schools, the systems hardly ever change. Um, you know, there's some wrinkles and some things thrown in, but there's a Nick Saban system in place offensively and defensively that's the base and foundation of what they do regardless who the coaches are so now you have the ability to go in and focus on that personal player development let's fix your deficiencies as a defender you're not as good in run fits and so on as opposed to hey we've got to teach you how to play in this system and 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 so it's really just setting back their development. I think no continuity within the defensive staff, and you're really starting to see it. I mean, on the back end, you see all the confusion. You see the guys pointing to each other, questioning each other all the time. We've seen it for two years now, and I think it's just because those guys are learning the system rather than developing as football players. And you can rest assured that the recruiting trail, Coach O's opponents are using that against them on the recruiting trail, telling their their those players – Look, you don't know what system you're going to be in. He's changed coaches so often. What's the system going to look like, both offensively and defensively? Since Joe Brady got there, he's now in Carolina, one year at LSU. And they, they had Scott Linehan last year, fired him. Um, now now they've got a, a new offensive coordinator and play caller, and both offensively and defensively. And I just think that – I know I would. If I was Nick Saban or Lane Kiffin or whomever, I, I'd tell a kid, well, you want to go to LSU uh, – I mean, you might be in a new system two years into the into your, your 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 career, and you might not be used properly. I would use that for sure, and I'm sure I'm sure it's being used. You yeah. know the recruiting trail better than I do. Oh, it definitely is used. I mean, especially in that front seven defensively, right? Guys want to pick the right scheme for them. You you see a lot of tweeners in, on the defensive side of the ball, guys that could be a linebacker slash safety, um, guys that could be a defensive end slash linebacker. Well, those guys are trying to find the right fit. Right. If you're 6'3", 245, your ability to come off the edge is your is your your top uh, ability. And but yet you're a little undersized. You usually go f- play in that three form, three four front, allowing you to be that edge linebacker standing up, but yet coming downhill a lot. You know, and and these guys want to know what they're going into, what scheme um, that they're going to be in long term, because they all see themselves fulfilling a certain role, being a certain type of player. You know, if you talk to D tackles, they all think, you know, oh, I'm quick enough, I should be a three tech. Well, if you go to LSU from year to year, one year they're playing a three tech, the next year they're not. They're they're back to a three man front, and then so on and so on. So, um, yeah, it certainly has worked against them. I've heard a lot of this over the years, um, all the way back to Fedarian Mathis, a defensive lineman that's at, at, at Alabama right now, not knowing what kind of system he was going to be in long term, played a big role in his decision. He elected to choose Alabama late in the process, really upset at Orgeron and his staff, um, and, and that was a big part of the reason. So uh, these guys definitely want to know that there is a system in place that they will be utilized in the way that they see their best uh, abilities being being put out front and showcased. And you just don't know what to expect defensively from LSU. We've seen four different systems in four years, basically. Jimmy Smith, he's the publisher of TigerDetails.com. I'm Christian Garrick. Let's look at some college scores around the country and in the SEC. Uh, Oregon, third-ranked Ducks, down by 10 to Stanford, 17-7. to on the road and Oregon's and uh, Stanford's in the third quarter. Surprised by that, Jimmy? Not really. I got to catch a little bit of the Oregon game. I just don't think um, they're that good. I think this is just a product of, of the voters having to find a team from each region of the country that they think's elite. 
and, and prop them up and build them up into the <laughs> rankings. I don't see Oregon as a top 10, top 15 team by any means. Number two, Georgia spanked Arkansas, eighth-ranked Razorbacks, 37-0. to zero. Shut them out. Elsewhere in the SEC, number one, Alabama, 35, number 12, Ole Miss, seven. They got on the board. Coming back. 35-7. to seven. Nick Saban ain't blowing that lead. No <laughs> chance that's going to happen. Uh, 16th ranked Coastal Carolina beats UL Monroe 59-6. to six. They were favored by 34 points, Jimmy. That's that's amazing. It covered. <laughs> they covered. They covered. It, yeah. And, you know, sometimes you see the rankings of, of these teams like a Coastal Carolina and you wonder, eh, are they that good? But, I mean, when you're, when you're winning games by 50, you're a pretty good team. I don't care who the opponent yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, they were just an FCS school not too long ago, making their way in the, the FBS. They're a powerhouse in baseball now too, right? Oh yeah. Well, they they're they're contenders. They won a national championship a couple years ago at the as we saw down in Baton Rouge, taking them down in the super regional. But yeah, I mean they they're, they're competitive now. They are a legit school athletically. Number nine Notre Dame at home in South Bend right now. Upset is brewing. About two minutes and fifty two seconds. Remaining, and I say upset because you don't put Cincinnati on the level of Notre Dame in terms of historical relevance. But the Bearcats are leading the Fighting Irish 24-3 to with two minutes and 25 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter. Another team. What did I say? I said 24-3. Uh, 24-13, I'm sorry. Notre Dame, another team that you can bank on it, that the voters are going to prop them up. Every year. They'll make but, an excuse for them, too. No, they're going to make an excuse. They're going to lose this game, and they're probably going to win the next six, and everybody's going to say, oh, Notre Dame's turned the corner, and they're going to try to find a way to put them in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, right? they, We've they seen always this do. happen so many times. What I find interesting here is Freeman, right, the defensive coordinator, yeah. that jump from Cincinnati to Notre Dame uh-huh. is now on the losing side of this, which is just an interesting little development. He was on Coach O's radar. Oh, it was the guy they wanted. When yeah. he went home after they interviewed, they thought he was a done deal. He thought he was a done deal. You know, and when one more talk with uh, Brian Kelly, I think, and one more talk with his family, and he backtracked and, and went to South Bend. That's another thing. You lose a you lose a recruiting battle over a coach to Brian Kelly. Who look, I, I just don't think very highly of him as a coach. I think Notre Dame. I've said this. If you listen to me for any amount of time, I've always told you Notre Dame, as Jimmy just pointed out, is always overvalued, always, and they get into the, a, a big bowl game and they get smashed typically, yeah. or if they get into the playoffs, they're going to get smashed. It just happens, and everybody makes excuses for them. I I don't know why. But anyway, they're on the verge of being upset. And I know Cincinnati's ranked higher than Notre Dame, but it is an upset in my mind when you're playing at home and you are Notre Dame. When you are Notre Dame and you lose to a school, let's face it, like Cincinnati, that's not doesn't have the historical relevance that your program does, that's an upset. Who's the best college football player to come out of the University of Cincinnati? Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Travis I Kelsey. was just sitting here running through my head real quick. Is there a star from Cincinnati? Yeah, Travis even... Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, forgot all about him. Notre Dame hasn't lost a home game in four years. That that would be an upset. All right, we'll step away and come back. He's Jimmy Smith. I'm Christian Garrick. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL. Back here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. It is primarily focused on LSU, but Jimmy and I got into a conversation off the air that's going to spill into <laughs> uh, the show. Jimmy Smith of TigerDetails.com. We're sitting there listening to a sound clip from Tom Brady. He sounds a little hoarse, to be honest with you. He sounds like his, his voice is leaving him a little bit. Laryngitis, who knows? Um, we, we got to talking about about 
Tom, terrific. He's going back to New England this Sunday with the Buccaneers. Homecoming of sorts. I don't know if you saw his video that he that he tweeted out that was phenomenal about his homecoming. And uh, we got to talk to me and Jimmy, and it's like the dude has it all, like every bit of it. He's the GOAT, GQ looks, supermodel wife, money upon money upon – she makes more money than he does. I mean – some guys, maybe you're the best quarterback to ever play, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not the, you don't have the GQ looks. Or maybe you got the GQ looks, but you can't play football worth a lick. Okay. We, don't, we are neither GQ, you and I are neither GQ, nor can we play quarterback in the NFL. And it's like, man, what did this guy, how, did, how did it happen for him? It's just, it's incredible. It's not fair. And, to, <laughs> and I'm going to be honest, I like hearing him horsed. Why? You know? Because it's like a flaw. Yeah. yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, it's like good for you. You have laryngitis too. Uh, Take yeah, that, you know, like you dude, are human. This dude checks every freaking box. Every box. As he gets older, he gets better. As he gets older, he gets better looking. Right. I mean, I'm I'm betting he's an excellent cook. Could probably play the piano at a very high level. Like he's probably got all those boxes checked too. Yeah. Right. I mean, who would you trade places with? You know, and ask you this off air. Who would you trade places with? Who would be above Tom Brady on your Nobody. List? Nobody. You know? and, and look, I love my life. Okay. I got a great yeah. life. But, you know, if you gave me the opportunity to trade places with Tom Brady, I'd, I'd certainly consider it. Now, just to be clear, if I trade place, I'm bringing my wife with me. Okay. okay. I got you. Yeah. All right. It'll be. So you're kicking Giselle out. Yeah. She's gone. Oh. She, whatever. She's you're not. trying to score yeah. some points, aren't you? Not at all. <laughs> just being honest, me. That's all I can be. David Potter at Master Control, taking your calls on our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text lines at 504-260-1870. Coming up next hour, NFL and college football analyst Mike Detillier as we continue to break down LSU and Auburn at 8 p.m. tonight in Death Valley right here on the home of the LSU Fighting Tigers, WWL, AMFM.com, and the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. Uh, 